0: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson.
1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time, nine-year survivor of breast cancer and the co-host with Becky Olson, who can't be here today. I'm also the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends, and when I have time, I write a blog called I Never Liked Pink, and I am super excited about our guest today, as this is a subject which I need a lot of guidance in. Um, Karen Davis is a nutritionist and comfort food is my kryptonite. So Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Hi, good morning, Michelle. Thanks for having me today. So I'm Karen Davis. I own Karen Davis Nutrition. I'm a certified nutrition specialist, and I have a master's in nutrition from the National University of Natural Medicine, which is based out of Portland, and that's where I am located. And I um, am a geek about nutrition and nutrition (laughs) science, and so I love helping individuals figure out their path Um, on their health journey with diet and how that can help them.
1: That's fabulous, especially for myself, who's a cancer survivor. And most of our listeners out there are survivors. And we need help, especially after a cancer diagnosis, when our body is just thrown into complete chaos. And like for myself, personally, I went through my cancer journey, I've gained 40 pounds. And I'm not a super fan of that. And so we're going to talk outside of this. But how did you how did you really get into this field? Was it a lifelong passion or were there certain circumstances that really brought you to where you are today?
2: So it, it's a dual um, kind of path, if you will. I have always had an interest in kind of nutrition. And for a good 20 years of my life, I was in accounting and banking and um, Ooh, so just very different, <laughs> quite different, right, but still numbers oriented. And believe it or not, nutrition is a little bit numbers orientation. Um, but I always kind of, you know, was exercising, and I wanted to eat healthy, and so I would do whatever the media said was like the best diet at the time. So, you know, low-fat, vegetarian, you name it. I probably tried it back in the day, long before I got into the nutrition field. And then um, my family was diagnosed with some gluten sensitivity at one point and some dairy intolerance, and as I was just researching, like, oh, what are we going to eat now? Because, of course, we were eating, right? Right. your Kinda options like the, are limited. Yeah, I was eat, we were eating the standard American diet or what we call the western diet, a lot of pasta, a lot of processed foods. Mm-hmm. And as I started researching that, I kind of fell in love with the idea of going back to school to get um, information on nutrition and nutrition's changed quite a lot, not only in the last 5 years but definitely in the last 20 years. So I just thought, yeah, this is my next calling, my second career, if you will. Yeah, well, it
1: really is a complete change of dynamic and your focus. Um, I'm not a numbers person or a nutrition person. So that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you here today because I really I would like to be healthier, but it's hard to do it on your own. Um, So it's definitely been a, a struggle and
2: for myself and I'm sure many others out there. You know, you mentioned it's a struggle to do it on your own, in part because there's such conflicting information out there. Exactly. Eggs, are they good for you or not? One day you hear from the media that they're bad for you, and then another day you hear from the media that they're great for you. And so, and it's almost every six months. So, which Mm -hmm. is the right? you know, way. And, and I help my clients cut through what I call the nutrition noise so that they can find their path and which diet's going to work best for them. That sounds fabulous. Um, Obviously you've been doing this for a while.
1: What are some of the really big challenges that you find when you're doing this? So
2: some of the challenges are, getting some folks who aren't quite ready to make the changes that maybe they need. And I like to pride myself on saying that I meet individuals where they're at. So maybe they just need to stop going to McDonald's one day a week. (laughs) And if that's all they're ready to do, I'm ready to help them come up with substitutes for that one meal, all the way up to people who are ready to really overhaul their diet and everything in between. But the greatest challenge is I want to help everybody, (laughs) right? Because I see these walking around, or I hear these people, you know, saying that they don't know what to eat, or I see their shopping carts at the store, and I'm like, oh, I just want to help you make better choices. Well, that's funny,
1: because I've also heard that when you're shopping, you really should only shop on the outsides of the store. You should avoid the middle aisles, because that's where the majority of the processed foods are, and you really want to stick to the fresh fruits and vegetables, the fresh meat, and, you know, the
2: whole grains, which are really on the outsides of the store. Exactly. With few exceptions, you know, things like olive oil, you're correct. Shopping on the outside of the store. And there was a study that came out, uh, probably about a month ago, looking at um, our percentage of calories that come from what we call ultra processed foods. And this -hmm. this study looked back at, I think it was 2009, 2010, using food frequency questionnaires. And what they discovered is almost 60% of the calories Americans consume come from what we call ultra processed foods. That's stuff in the middle of Mm -hmm. the store. And if you were to take the food, all the foods that contain added sugar out of a grocery store, you're only left with roughly about 15 to 20% of the food products. That is crazy. Isn't that like, crazy? I, mean, I, I knew, you know, generally shop on the outside, but I
1: definitely don't know more of the, the inner details like that. And I guess that's why we all need a nutritionist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously this is something that has turned into a great passion for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Is
1: there a, in, can, in the cancer world, we often talk about a silver lining. Do you have um, a silver lining from becoming a nutritionist or what is the greatest blessings that you found on your journey?
2: Yeah, great question. You know, for me, it's it's not about making money in this Career. It's more about helping individuals. So mm-hmm. I get the most gratitude when I see somebody turn that aha light on. Mm-hmm. And then they make the changes. I'm just simply giving them the tools and then they do what I, you know, recommend and they see great health benefits as a result of it. And sometimes it can be really simple. Maybe I add one supplement in or give them food that contains a certain nutrient in there and they start to see health benefits that is so rewarding to me i i just it's like winning a million dollars every single day when that happens
1: i totally get that and i have also heard that you mentioned supplements but is it better to try to eat the food with all the proper nutrition in them versus taking supplements
2: Absolutely. That's why they're called supplements. They're supposed to <laughs> supplement your mm-hmm. diet. And I usually lead with food, but there's going to be cases where maybe somebody's insufficient or deficient in a particular nutrient, and we need to build that back up. And so we're going to go to supplements for a while, not hopefully for the rest of their life, but it may, may be a while um, that they take this until they're able to get those levels back up.
1: Personally, I, I've been told to take omegas because I don't do fish. Um, I don't like it. I've tried it. I know I'm an adult, but I still don't like it. (laughs) And so I, I take omegas and that, you know, is helping me, I think. And, you know, I have a whole other list of things that I take for joint pain and this and that, and, um, that I know I'm not getting enough of in my diet. So we're going to work on that after this.
2: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned eating the whole food. There's nutrients in all these different foods and they work synergistically together. So Mm -hmm. it is best that you get them from food for sure. Definitely. Now we're talking
1: about, you know, food overall and nutrition and, and diets and prop, you know, the, so is there one good diet
2: for everyone? There is, there is, there is, there is is not, but I'm just kidding. Um, So there, there is from the standpoint, if you avoid the ultra processed foods that we talked about, then everybody's going to benefit. Your health is going to benefit. So that would be a no ultra processed foods diet. Right. But other than that, (laughs) <laughs> no. We're all snowflakes and what works for you doesn't work for me. We all come to the table with different health conditions and so some diets are going to be better for others than for someone else. So, sure. it's helping people find the one that works for them. I love the use
1: of the we're all snowflakes cuz it's been a term that's been thrown around recently in a lot of other ways. So, I like it better here <laughs> that, you know, we're all we're all different snowflakes and we have different needs. Um, exactly. And I know that from personal experience because my husband and I have, over the years, we've tried keto, we've done Whole30, we've done intermittent fasting, and what works for me does not necessarily work for him, and we we like other ones. Like I like keto better, he likes Whole30 better. Um, I like cheese. <laughs> for me, cutting cheese out of my diet is like hurting my, killing my inner child. So for me, I need something that I can work with that. I don't care about sweets, but for me, it's the cheese and the carbs. So that's something that I need to work into my new food plan a little bit or a lot, I guess. Whereas he, he would eat like, I think caveman or, you know, paleo, like literally hundred days in a row and he would be just fine. And I'd be like, no, give me cheese. (laughs) Um, and so something that's really worked for, worked for me in the past when I was really committed um, was the ketogenic diet. And I know there's a lot of talk about that one. And I think
2: that's something that you mentioned that you're certified in. So can we start to dig into that one? Absolutely. I am certified um, at, in the ketogenic diet through the American Nutrition Association. Okay. And it is um, super popular now. For Mm -hmm. weight loss. But what I want everyone to understand is we consider this to be what we call a medical nutrition therapy type diet, meaning it is used to help manage or reverse some disease states. So it originally originated to help um, pediatric seizures, kids with seizures, benefit from being on um, a ketogenic diet and adults can benefit. So that's how it sort of originally came about in the 1920s. And then it sort of fell out of favor once medications came on board to treat that. But a lot of kids can't tolerate the medication for whatever reason, it, it still doesn't help them reduce their seizures. And so um, Charlie, J.J. Uh, Abrams, I think is who it was, um, uh, rediscovered the diet with his wife in the late um, 60s, early 70s for, For their child who had epilepsies and brought it back to the forefront. There are hospitals around this country and OHSU is one of them that specifically Mm -hmm. has a ketogenic diet therapy for pediatric epilepsy. John Hopkins sort of leads the industry with that. The side effect is weight loss. Um, so everybody's like always a good side for effect. the weight loss, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But it helps uh, reverse type two diabetes, insulin resistance. There's some evidence it improves cognition in those diagnosed with early stage dementia, um, and it, the the list goes on and on. There's some cancers that actually really benefit from a ketogenic diet because it does starve the tumors. Not all cancers benefit from it, though. So sure, if you get diagnosed with cancer, don't hop on the keto bandwagon. Um, you know, definitely work with somebody to make sure that your cancer would be one of them. And they're still trying to figure out exactly which cancers benefit from it and which do not. But it is a high fat, low carb diet. So that's why it mm-hmm. starves the tumor, because you're not feeding your tumor with glucose. Right, sugar. Well, yeah, yeah, with the sugars, hey. mm-hmm. and so, and you have a moderate amount of protein. And so, when we say low carb, we're talking between twenty to fifty grams of total carbohydrates,
1: which is not very much if you really think about it. Much. It's
2: it's it's more it's. it's Less than a bagel, <laughs> and that's for your entire day. <laughs> for your entire day, way less mm-hmm. than a bagel. You'd be surprised. <laughs> so. Oh, I,
1: I wouldn't. I've done the numbers, and it's, it's hard, but there's definitely benefits for it. And for me personally, I have a history of family dementia, so I, I want
2: to start to prevent that as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So, we know that on this diet, your, the hence the name ketogenic diet, your body starts burning fat as a fuel source instead of glucose, and you produce these compounds called ketones, which are short-chain fatty acids, and they have an effect on the body that's anti-inflammatory, and they can um, fuel your muscles and your brain. The only body parts that don't benefit from ke- ketones that still need glucose as a fuel source um, is your liver and then your red blood cells. So, but your body breaks down fat and they produce glucose. Your body can make glucose and fructose from Mm -hmm. fat and protein.
1: bodies are actually pretty smart.
2: (laughs) Way smart, way Mm -hmm. smart, way smarter than we give it credit for. So that's sort of like the quick history on that diet and what it's doing And so as you're burning fat for fuel, you're losing weight because your body's going into your fat storage to break down fat and then create ketones into it. Is it sustainable long-term? So it it actually is. We don't have any long-term studies on it. And people will tell you that it's not sustainable because everybody jumps off of it after some point in time, because maybe they miss carbs or they, or somebody tells them like, Hey, this isn't a sustainable diet, but I know individuals that have been on this way of eating. And that's what I like to call it by, by the way, a way of eating as opposed to a diet, Mm -hmm. um, it, they've been on it for 10 plus years, and they're not experiencing any kind of ill health. And we're starting to see studies come out that show that the gut microbiome, which at the end of the day is what is benefiting your health or creating some disease when it's out of balance, the gut microbiome on a ketogenic changes for the positive. And there's definitely been so much talk lately about your gut health. Yes. Um, and is it, I'm
1: assuming that's that it has different reactions with different life lifestyle
2: changes or <laughs> i'm sorry what did you just say how how did you term it um so the it it impre- like it will either um help create disease if it's out of balance okay. or stave off disease keep you healthy so you want to have the right microbial balance in your gut for sure we call the it gut the second brain i'm sorry i missed that but we call the gut the second brain got it okay
1: yeah That makes sense. Well, it, it, my gut is the one that tells me I want cheese and and carbs. So I need, I need to retrain my gut apparently. (laughs) Are there any big cons to keto?
2: So the cons to keto, um, one, it, it could lead to excessive weight loss, but that would just mean that you would adjust and start adding carbs or add more fat back in, um, that's my dream scenario. There you go. (laughs) And the other con and it's not as prevalent these days is that, um, It's, it's isolating in a way when you go out to eat, it might be a little bit harder to do because and especially if you're out with friends and they're celebrating a birthday, you know, you're not going to be able to indulge in that cake and things like that. So it can be a little bit socially isolating. And some Mm -hmm. people just do get tired of of not eating the carbs that they're used to eating. Mm -hmm. I consider that to be one of the cons.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a retraining. I mean, I've I've done it a little bit and you know, I, I think it worked really well for me. So I'm definitely gonna try to jump, jump back into that lifestyle change. But we are gonna take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back soon. Remember, all of you out there, you can make a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute
3: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
0: thank you for listening today breast friends needs your support we rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com.
3: That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com.
0: Into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to our program. My name is Michelle Beck, and we've been talking with Karen Davis about the pros and cons of popular diets out there. We're going to call them lifestyle changes. Um, Let's talk about another one that I've heard quite a bit about. It's the Mediterranean diet. And I'm assuming that's not going to out to eat at my favorite Lebanese restaurant with hummus and shawarma.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is in a way. So um, I like to call you use the lifestyle change. I like to call it ways of eating because Anything that mm-hmm. you put in your mouth is you know, like you're like you're dieting. That's a diet, mm-hmm. right? It's what you put in. So, a way of eating. So, the Mediterranean diet, the reason why you've heard so much about it is because it is the most studied diet ever. And the reason for that is because okay. it's been around for a while. It's been around since the 60s. So, they've been doing um, studies on this for decades now. And it sort of started out looking at the health of the folks that live in the Mediterranean area and how their heart disease was a little bit lower, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And what they discovered, of course, is that they're eating a lot of fresh vegetables and some Mm -hmm. fruit and some grains and olive oil, and they have great health benefits. So that's sort of the the Mediterranean diet. The big focus is on, of course, fresh vegetables, fresh. Mm-hmm. fruits, and then some grains and eating, you know, your animal proteins as well. But getting the healthy olive oil in there, olive oil has a big benefit. I think the, there's been a
1: huge switch with over the last, the last, you know, decade or two with the majority, well, I would say, I I think it's the majority of the population switching to olive oil, but people who are maybe more health conscious. um, I still do have, you know, canola oil in my refrigerator or in my pantry. Well, because my husband makes a a chicken katsu and it doesn't fry as well in the olive oil, but that's Uh, not very often, (laughs) but everything else is either olive oil or avocado oil.
2: Good, good. Um, Yeah. And the pros to the Mediterranean diet, of course, one is it is so well studied. Uh, They know that it can help reduce things like hypertension. It's heart protective. um, You have lower risk of developing things like cardiovascular disease as a result of that cancer. Um, Some individuals do lose weight on the, the diet. The con to it is there are multiple books describing the diet and they all have like a little bit of a different twist on it Mm -hmm. and some are a little heavier on the grains which means more carbohydrates and I think some individuals get confused when they hear eat whole grains that they think oh that I can still have my whole wheat bread and or I can have my whole wheat pasta in abundant amounts. And that's no. actually not really the case. If you ever mm-hmm. go over to Italy and you eat there, the pasta is a side dish and yep. not the main. And if you go to an Italian restaurant here, the pasta is the main. And mm-hmm. so they the emphasis is on grains, but it really is a smaller amount than what people think they should be getting. And the focus, again, still is on a more balanced fresh vegetables and meat. And then of course the olive oil.
1: Yes. If you go over to Europe, it's the, the, the pasta is the preemie and mm-hmm. the secondi is your protein, which is your main side dish with, or your main dish with your vegetables. Exactly. But it's definitely a completely different way of eating. And unfortunately I think that's one of the reasons why we have such a, a obesity problem here in the United States is the ultra processed foods and the focus on carbs. Correct. Um, is this or any of these um, ways of eating, can you incorporate wine or even a cocktail now and then? Because that's important to, you know, every now and
2: then to have that glass of wine. To a lot of people, absolutely. And even on the keto diet, you are allowed to have some wine from time to time. Mm -hmm. The alcohol it's sort of a touchy subject in that, you know, a glass of red wine here or there isn't going to be a problem for most people. But if you're sure. really um, serious about losing weight, alcohol is going to set you back if you have it on a daily basis. Of and course. while there are health benefits to red wine, there are a lot of I guess you have to drink a lot of red wine to get that health benefit, <laughs> right? Which that can, way, which and leads to other have, problems. Now you have other problems. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, Alcohol I mean, is super
1: hard on the liver. It is, and especially I mean, aging every every ten years that that decade birthday that hangover is a lot worse. So <laughs> yes, I, I stop
2: at two glasses of wine now, and I'm I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, most of these diets, you can enjoy a glass of wine here and there. Nice, and
1: um, let's switch on to something else. We live in Portland, Oregon. That's where we're based, and it's a very healthy town. And um, from from what I know, but I've never tried this, but I know a lot of people um, are really have switched to vegan. Can you talk a little bit
2: more about that? Because I think it's a little misunderstood. It is, and I'd be happy to talk about it. So, so the vegan diet is a diet where you shun all animal products, and I mean all. So you are not consuming any kind of cheese, any kind of um, fish or meat, no animal products whatsoever. And and if you go the whole way and also Mm -hmm. switch up your lifestyle, you don't have any leather products, use anything that involves a byproduct of an animal that would include things like honey. So honey is out. Wow, I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're vegan, you cannot have honey as well. So a lot of people um, are going vegan because they're, you know, the media is saturating us with the idea that eating vegan is good for the planet. And therefore, and it's good for our health. And therefore, we all should be shunning animal meats. How do you get your protein? It's not easy to do. And I will say a lot of nutrition experts will consider a vegan diet to be more of a type of a cleanse um, as opposed to a sustainable diet over long-term. And one of the cons to the vegan diet is you, you have to supplement vitamin B12 because you only get that from animals. You can't get it from plants. And if you become deficient in vitamin B12, it's known as pernicious anemia, and Back in the day, it used to be you would die from that because they didn't know what caused it. They didn't realize it was actually deficiency in B12. It can lead to peripheral neuropathy where you can't, you have tingling in your hands and your feet. And I've seen that happen in individuals who, and the same thing applies really to a a vegetarian as well. People can uh, become... Uh, anemic in B12, like in two months of changing their diet. So you have to supplement wow. with B12. So fast. Mm-hmm. And there's some other nutrients that they probably need to consider taking as well, things like iron. Um, mm-hmm. You're, you know, you can get some iron from food, um, from vegetables, but it's hard calcium as well, maybe some zinc. Um, so you may have to end up supplementing with those. So that's kind of the con to that particular diet. Mm-hmm. And another con is making sure you're getting all the essential um, uh, amino acids. So amino acids are the smallest component of protein, which you ask, how do you get your protein? Mm -hmm. You get them from nuts and seeds and beans and legumes. So including soy, or tempeh or something like that. And there's a balance to getting the what we call a complete protein. So like rice and beans would be a complete protein so that you're getting all of those essential amino acids. If you eat, meat, you're getting all the essential amino acids. Essential means your body can't make them. So you have to get them from food. So it's not easy to be a vegan to make sure that you're getting all those nutrients in. And it does take some planning of your meals. And so then Uh what can happen is you end up on actually a pretty high carb diet which will have its own problems. Now, some people do fine on that diet and they sustain it for years and years and other people just can't. They do develop these nutrition deficiencies because they don't know how to work the diet properly. That makes sense.
1: Um, Is there, now say if someone really wanted to be, to do something similar, but they really don't want to go that Intense because veganism sounds like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, what about working, um,
2: doing a vegetarian diet? How would that differ? So a vegetarian diet is going to be one that you can still incorporate things like eggs and dairy, um, or cheese, or, or exactly there's your cheese. <laughs> Uh, or like at one point in my life I was a pescetarian, meaning oh. that I would eat fish. Fish mm-hmm. um, and then mostly, and this is before I got into nutrition, and I was a horrible pescetarian and I <laughs> ate a lot of starchy carbohydrates, which is one of the downsides again to being on a vegetarian or vegan diet, is you you towards, tend to get your calories from these starchy carbs, which can lead to their own problems. Um, So the vegetarian diet is a little bit more flexible and you can walk into almost any restaurant these days and get a, have a vegetarian option readily Mm -hmm. available. And that wasn't true 20 years ago.
1: Right, oh, because it was
2: very much meat, potatoes, vegetable, and that's or Mm -hmm. or a pasta, and that's what you had. That was what you had, and if there was a pasta. It always had some sort of meat sauce or meat component. But Mm -hmm. you walk into most restaurants these days, you can get a veg, a veg, a vegetarian option. And here in Portland, oh, it's there are vegan restaurants, Mm -hmm. right? So, so it's really not a problem at all. So with the vegetarian diet, the same concerns, you are gonna have to probably supplement with B12, maybe some calcium unless you're eating a lot of dairy and perhaps some iron as well. The plant nutrients that you get sometimes are more difficult to break down versus obtaining them from meat. So meat, when you're consuming meat, the nutrients are more bioavailable to you then um, vegetables. So your body has to do some extra work to break down those plants and get those nutrients. And sometimes you'll hear this term anti-nutrients. So hmm. plants contain what, what some people have termed anti-nutrients, things like lectins and things like phytates. So these okay. are defense mechanisms of these plants so that they don't get eaten too early. Extinction. Oh, okay. It, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so that, um, think about a green, a green apple before it turn not, not a Granny Smith, but an apple right. is always green before it turns red, right? Well, that's a signal to the animals not to eat it yet, because it's not ready to have its seeds spread to be grown, you know, to prolifer- proliferate, right? Got it. Mm-hmm. So, lectins are going to give Us an achy stomach when we eat a green apple because it's, you know, that's that plant's Mm -hmm. defense mechanism. Um, So sometimes some individuals have real difficulty with those nutrients, uh, those anti nutrients like lectins, and it causes inflammation in the body. So some individuals can't do those diets because of all of those anti nutrients. They can't eat some vegetables because of it.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's
2: sort of the cons. to the vegetarian and the vegan diet. So sure. The other. I th- yeah, I was gonna say the the pros to it is some people lose weight on it. Um, your blood pressure can improve. You um, c- you know, generally can feel um better on the mm-hmm. diet. Yeah.
1: I think I could totally get behind vegetarianism if I had a chef. Uh, <laughs> if it well, if I had a chef for all of these, I would be much more. You know into doing them but i love salads if someone would make me a salad bar every day or just put a salad in front of me i would be all about that right Uh, yeah but but that's not happening anytime soon so we'll just have to figure out one that i can do on my own um one that i know my husband would really be into because he is much more of a meat person than i am is the carnivore diet
2: can we talk about that one a little bit? Absolutely. So this is the carnivore diet. If you haven't heard of it, for those of you out there, it is a new way of eating. I call it a new way of eating. It's starting to become popular. It's probably where keto was five years ago. So you kind of okay. heard it, but it's really uh-huh. sort of on the fringe. So it's going to be coming into the mainstream in a couple more um years, I bet. But it gets a lot of backlash, as you can imagine. So the carnivore diet is what it sounds like. You eat meat, and that's all you (laughs) eat. So you have strict carnivore, which is you're eating what they call nose to tail, every part of the animal, including the organ meats, which Mm. have, by the way, the most nutrients in them. They're the most nutrient-dense food out there. And you have, make sure you get salt, and you have water. That's strict (laughs) carnivore. People lose a lot of weight on this diet quickly. Well, because you're it, not eating any carbs. Right. right exactly. And then and they, you-
1: your body's freaking out. So it's like, okay, I have to, <laughs> I have to, you know, really process all of the fat into the sugars to survive because all you're eating is meat, you're getting a lot of protein, but nothing else. You're getting a
2: lot of protein and fat. So keep in and mind, there's fat right. in this in the Mm -hmm. animal too so it's about you're getting fat you're getting fat and protein you're not getting the carbs your body's making the glucose that it needs and the fructose that it needs for sure Mm -hmm. then there's the what we call the relaxed carnivore so that's where people still want to use herbs and spices or more importantly they don't want to give up their coffee or their dairy yeah that's Mm -hmm. kind of relaxed carnivore and the downside to this is it's definitely still fringy, so people are going to look at you like you have three heads when you tell them you're eating that way. It's pretty easy to eat out because everybody's, unless you go to a vegan restaurant, you're going to be able to find meat in any kind of restaurant, so that's a pro there, but with the cons, there may be some nutrient deficiencies, and you think about things that you get like uh, potassium. You get a lot of potassium, from your vegetables, mm-hmm. you may not get them in the carnivore diet, or vitamin C. Although animals, we can get vitamin C sometimes from animals, but just and, not enough. I mean, because you, if you're not enough. eating your spinach
1: and your kale and your really dark vegetables, for where a lot of the the nutrients lie, you're gonna be lacking.
2: Yeah. So the the other con is you do lose a lot of weight. At some point, you it may be too much weight loss, and then you need to start adding carbs in so that you don't continue this weight loss, Um, but people thrive on it and some individuals supplement and some don't and so this is where it's really interesting. Some people do have to supplement maybe with a multivitamin and others don't and they're not becoming deficient in these vitamins, which is
1: interesting. Could that have something to do with your blood type? Because I have heard that different blood types,
2: they need to eat different foods. So that's the blood type diet that you're referring to, okay. and um, the O type is the you know what would be considered the carnivore. They're going to eat do really well eating a lot of meat. I'm an A positive blood Me type. Me too. Oh, good. Okay. So you'll know all about what I need to eat. So we should be more pescetarian. Think about oh, that. I fish, hate fish and vegetables. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And less less of the red meat. Not to say we can't eat it, just we're gonna do best without mm-hmm. without that. According to the blood type diet. Okay. Yes. Yeah, And that,
1: that's so funny because, um, my husband is O negative and he's, he could, like I said, he could do meat all the time. And I'm like, oh, he's like, let's do steak. Let's do prime rib. And I'm like, can I just have a salad?
2: <laughs> the answer is you can, Michelle. I can. You yes, can. Yes.
1: <laughs> I just have to make it myself. <laughs> yeah. Or get that chef. Oh gosh. That would be my dream. Uh, after, the full t- after the full-time housekeeper then I would have a chef
3: right
2: <laughs>
1: um, I think we are going to jump out for a quick break here and we will be back in just a minute
3: become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice America
0: thank you for listening today Breast Friends needs your support we rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com that's e l e k t a.com Into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
1: Thank you all for being here with us today. My name is Michelle Beck, and we're talking with Karen Davis, a certified nutritionist. Karen, when we were prepping for the show, you mentioned a diet that I know very little about called
2: AIP. Can you tell us about that one? Absolutely. So AIP just stands for um, autoimmune paleo, which is a take on the paleo diet, which you've probably heard of. That's um, sort of predates popularity prior to the keto becoming so popular, which means we're supposed to eat like our caveman ancestors ate. So mostly meat, some plants. Um, sort of thing. So the AIP goes a step further, and it's it's benefiting individuals that have autoimmune diseases, and you're okay. eliminating things like grains, legumes, your nightshade. So these are all um, inflammatory
1: the things that I love. Foods, the
0: things that <laughs> tomatoes, you
1: love. peppers. Exactly. Well, I love those, and I know I'm not supposed to eat them because Very- I definitely.
2: I'm inflamed. <laughs> okay. Well, da- and dairy's in there as well. Oh. Dairy, eggs, coffee, mm-hmm. alcohol, nuts and seeds, which would be the hard one for me. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the, you know, what everybody should be removing, refined or processed sugars, your refined oils and food additives. So removing all of those and it will help um, improve your uh, intestinal inflammation or leaky gut or gut dysbiosis, however you consider it, and then food intolerances. And so you're eating a lot of what we call nutrient dense foods um, that are unprocessed. Of course, your vegetables, your fresh vegetables, fruits, seafoods, your lean meats, and getting in organ meats and fermented foods. And so for that diet, it's a two stage diet. You have elimination. Um, process that could last, you know, somewhere around six weeks, depends on the individual. And then you go into a maintenance, which may last for a little bit longer. Again, that could be anywhere from 30 to 90 days, depending on individuals. And then you actually start reintroducing those foods back into your diet. So the goal is to heal within the inside of your body, so that you can eventually expand and bring some of those foods that you were avoiding into your regular dietary plan. Now, what if
1: there's someone like me who just can't stomach the organ meats or fermented foods are not my favorite? I I mean, I know I can't subsist on pickles all the time and I really don't love, um, you know, the, oh gosh, I can't even think of the the term. I've got cancer brain right now. Kombucha? um, Well, yeah, I don't like kombucha, but the, um, the cabbage, what's the... Um, um sauerkraut? Thank you. Yeah, yep. can't can't do sauerkraut. How do you, if you really just can't stomach those, is there a way to
2: still do this this way of eating? So, yes. So then you would look to supplement. So you can okay. actually supplement with liver pills. Um Ooh. so that you can find like grass-fed beef, liver um in pills that you could take. But you could also, I want you to think about uh fish like sardines, which I know you don't like, or oysters, you know, oysters are considered an organ meat, just Hmm. so you know. So there are ways to get organ meats in. I like to take my chicken livers and my um, ground meat and I mix them 50-50. Oh, so then you really don't notice. right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And add lots of rosemary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and you really don't notice. So there are some ways to do it. But if you can't, you can always, you know, do the supplement. As it relates to the fermented foods, that is the best way to get probiotics in. And mm-hmm. what you mentioned about sauerkraut, a lot of people don't like it. It's like too tangy or too vinegary or something like that. You only need a forkful a day.
1: Oh, okay, that's to not get too bad.
2: Tons and tons of the, what we call probiotics, which are the gut bacteria, Uh And that's the best way to reseed your gut is through fermented foods way better than just popping a probiotic. But if you actually can't stomach it or no pun intended there, by the way, (laughs) or if for some reason you can't tolerate fermented foods and some people that have histamine issues can't tolerate um, fermented foods, it gives them a histamine reaction. Then maybe taking a probiotic is going to be the best route for them. Sure. But you know, I could probably handle one forkful a day. That's, that's Mm -hmm. not too bad. Yeah. And make sure you get the refrigerated sauerkraut or kimchi if you like spicy food. That's also Mm -hmm. a fermented product. But if you buy pickle, not pickles, like sauerkraut in the middle of the store, that's been pasteurized. There's no probiotic in there. So you have Mm -hmm. to get them in the refrigerated section. And there is a pickle, not all pickles are fermented. So, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, there's a brand called Bubbies that says on the label fermented. Mm -hmm. And so if you like Pickles, you could get the Bubbies brand and get your probiotics that way.
1: Nice. Are there big cons to this, uh, to the AIP? So it's, it's
2: restrictive as you can imagine. Yes. <laughs> so going out to eat going to be a little difficult to do. And you could pr- in Portland. We're so blessed to have so many restaurants and yeah, so many definitely. chefs around this area that are interested in health. And if you tell them and call in advance, they could probably help you find your way around it. But it's definitely restrictive, so it's going to be a little isolating. Going to feel isolating. But I know there are resources out there, and I know people do feel really great. There have been some studies. Um, that the AIP community has run for things like um, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition and um, IBD, which is a inflammatory bowel disease. And Mm -hmm. they've shown some good benefits from doing the AIP diet. Now, the key I want to mention is this is not a lifetime diet. This is a way of eating. So a certain period of time while your body heals and then you start adding some of those foods back in. So that's why I really like this diet as again, a medical nutrition type diet. Sure.
1: That makes sense. Um, Let's talk about one final one, which really has been big in the press lately. Intermittent fasting. Um, My husband has done that a little bit. I struggle with it. Um, I, in the morning, I want my coffee and my cream and Um, occasionally I will have a small snack at night. I'm not a big snacker, but, um, so tell me a little bit more about that one.
2: Yeah. So intermittent fasting is um, super popular these days as well. And a lot of people do it in conjunction with the ketogenic diet. So what it means is for us, and there's two really two ways to do this. There's intermittent fasting, which is kind of a catch all for something that's also known as time restricted eating. So time restricted eating means you eat during a certain period of the day. I actually follow this. I eat, I try to eat depending on the day, between like 10 and 7 p.m., 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. I still have my coffee in the morning, but I don't do cream in it. Um, so that's not breaking my fast. Sure. So I only eat food during that time frame. Intermittent fasting um, itself is more of you have days where you're fasting. So a lot of people do something called the 5 2 intermittent fast, where they eat for five days and then they do water fast for two days or they eat for three days fast one day eat for two days fast one day and on and off like that I don't know that I can wrap my brain around that one just that one that one tends to be a little bit harder to do yeah yeah um people really feel great doing this diet you can lose weight uh, um, eating this way and if you think about this going all the way back to early man that's probably how he ate, right? He exactly, had because he ate what
1: he had, and sometimes he
2: didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So he might go more than two days without any food, uh, or certainly small amounts of food, and then, you know, probably more so during the winter. So genetically speaking, I think we're set up to kind of eat this way and thrive on it, this type of eating, um, and so it is something that I usually recommend people try. Try the time-restricted eating. And it doesn't matter. Maybe you are hungry for breakfast in the morning and you want to break your fast that early, say by 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. That's fine. Just stop eating later in the day. And so some people do great that way. Mm -hmm. And other people, like what I'm doing, is um, eat later in the morning and stop at a certain time. You always want to stop eating three hours before bedtime. To give your digestive system a break, so that it's mm-hmm. not working while you're sleeping. And then ideally you should have 12 hours between your last meal and your first meal. So hence the term mm-hmm. breakfast is breaking, breaking your, your fast, fast. right? Mm-hmm. So overnight t- full 12 hours, naturally what your body is doing is, is repairing and healing, going through something called autophagy. It's clearing out dead debris. When you eat late at night, your digestive system works. You may be waking up in the middle of the night or have fitful sleep because your body's still working and you're not able to get into that deep sleep. So really do like intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, however Mm -hmm. you want to call it. And
1: two, I know from personal experience, if you're eating late at night and then you lay down, heartburn. And that is the last thing you want when you're trying to go to sleep because your, your stomach is working, your digestive system is working to process. And then when you lay down, all the acids come up. Yep. So you need that three-hour time frame to let it settle, and then you can lay down and get a good night's sleep.
2: One of the things that folks um, don't realize, and I didn't realize till I went through nutrition, your liver has a period during the night, um, according to Chinese medicine, that it uses to to take care of itself, and mm-hmm. it's usually between one and three a.m. And if you're eating at eleven, then your body, your liver's still working during that time frame. And right. you're, you're probably going to have pretty fitful sleep or wake up frequently during that time frame. So your liver has to have a period of time where it's not working. So it can like help itself, like have a little mm-hmm. down, da- have a little spa time. I like to call it. So it's stop <laughs> eating three hours before bedtime. So your liver can have some spa time and take care of itself.
1: That sounds great. Um, and it, we've been over a lot of different, a lot of different ways to eat. How does someone figure out what's best for them?
2: Great question, and I think personally they should uh, find a nutritionist to work (laughs) with to help identify like what Mm -hmm. are your health concerns, Uh, what are kind of your personal dietary styles, what are the foods that you don't want to give up, and and then let's uncover why you don't want to give them up, and then together let's see what nutritional deficiencies you already have. Having said that, if somebody isn't ready to kind of make that type of investment, they can always just try some of these diets on their own, but make sure they're reading good authoritative articles on it so that they're doing it the the proper way. There's lots of books out there on Mm -hmm. pretty much all of these diets at this point, so they should be able to find something. But quite honestly, the best way of eating is to give up the ultra-processed foods, Every single one of these mm-hmm. diets that we've talked about and many others that we didn't talk about, the people that do the best on these diets and feel the greatest on them are the ones that are not eating those ultra processed foods, which is starting to be a con of things like the keto diet, because you're seeing these ultra mm-hmm. and the paleo diet because you're seeing these ultra processed foods pop up that are labeled keto friendly, right? They're they're just sandwiched bread in a new container. So yeah, right. And they're they're still ultra processed. They're still Did ultra you mention, processed. You mentioned investment.
1: Can someone still eat healthy if they have a limited budget? Because yeah, a lot of times the organic and the and the, you know, the grain fed the really good meats, they're all they, they cost
2: more. They, they do cost more, and, um, but the answer is yes, you can um, eat while on a budget. And it takes a little bit of planning at first so that you know where to shop for the best deals. Using the Environmental Working Group's um, Clean 15 Dirty Dozen will tell you which ones you absolutely should be buying organic and which ones you don't have to buy organic. So for example, you do not need to buy avocados organically. They're okay. going to be fine if you buy them conventionally grown. Um, but things like apples, you should be buying those organic okay. because they're heavily pesticide sprayed. And the Environmental Working Group comes out with a list every April on their Dirty Dozen in their Clean 15. And then shop around. Grass-fed meat is coming um more it's becoming more and more available find a local farmer again we're blessed here in Portland to have access to local farmers go to the farmers markets meet your farmer there they're often going to be able to give you better deals if you become a regular customer but there are grocery stores that you can find grass-fed meat um, Mm -hmm. at at a good price Um, and the thing is the more you eat this way the better than your body. You, you will find you don't have to eat as frequently because your body is nourished.
1: That all makes sense. Karen, you have given us so much great information today, and I think we could do an entire another show, <laughs> but um, we do have to wrap it up. Tell our listeners really quickly how they can get in touch with you.
2: Yes, great. So um, you can reach me just at Karen Davis Nutrition at gmail.com or go to my website, which is Karen Davis Nutrition.
1: Perfect. Karen, thank you so much for being here today. I so appreciate it. So much helpful information. Um, And obviously, listeners, please reach out because that's what I'm going to do. But again, if you or a loved one need our services, please visit us at breastfriends.org. And you can make a donation by texting BF radio to 41444 to help us continue our mission to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. You can find our show on many platforms, Voice America's health and wellness channel, or search Breast Friends wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.